Bonnaby is the premier podcast spotlighting people of color. Every week, we talk news, what we've been playing, and tell you who's invited to the cookout. Our show is all about talking about gaming through a prism of blackness, because we are the culture. Welcome to Bukaka, y'all. Welcome, everybody, to the Spawn Podcast. I'm your host, Khalif Adams, and this is our show. Welcome to everyone who is coming through tonight. Uh, everyone who has been rocking with us for the rest of the week uh, it is now Thursday. Uh, it is a wonderful day. Uh, massive amounts of love to everybody here in Chicago, hanging out with us here in Twitch land and in podcast land uh, when that winds up going real soon, real, real soon, real, real soon. So we have a lot of cool stuff to talk about today. Uh, first of all, I have to say massive love to all of our Chicago residents for, for rocking with us for so long. We got the fireworks going today. We got all that stuff happening because yesterday was our eight year anniversary. We made eight years as the podcast champs. Uh, it is, it is a very, very cool uh, thing to have have hit it is super cool to have you know hit that milestone um in that way and to have been able to do that all with you uh it is it is pretty phenomenal no one would have ever thought that this would have been what we what we would have been doing here uh during our our time here in Chicago in the podcasting space you know spotlighting people of color having dope conversations making sure that everything is kind of you know new and fresh uh, and, and being able to do that work with all of you amazing folks in the community uh, has always been one of the best things on the planet. Um, it has been super great to be able to rock with you all. It has been fantastic to, to continue to grow this community, uh, to continue to build this out into something that has been very, very special. Um, I, I am always humbled by by so many folks who come through and who rock with us and who, and who give us good energy um, and do all that kind of work. Uh, that stuff is is always appreciated, um, and and I'm again super humbled by by all the folks who who always come back uh, and represent with us uh, and rock with us in those ways for sure. Um, massive shout out and love to our friends over at Team Liquid. Uh, they are sponsoring the show again this week. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, a little bit later their Marvel Retro Collection. Uh, you can go and cop some of their dope stuff. Uh, from their store at tl.gg slash spawn. Uh, go give them some love. They they rep us super hard here in Chicago. Uh, so we always want to make sure that we're giving them some love as well because Team Liquid is one of the dopest crews on the planet. Uh, mad fireworks out here. Bong, bong, bong. Mad fireworks. That's what we do out here. Um, so again, thank you to everybody who's in, that, who's in there uh, over from Team Liquid. Really do appreciate all the love that you've given us and the support that you've given us over the years. We have a really cool show this week. Um, lots of things to kind of dig into and talk about. Uh, I think at first, um, I've been debating a lot of things that have kind of been going on in the past week. Of course, uh, I was pod champ for uh, Martin Luther King Day, which was which is pretty phenomenal. Uh, it was a really cool experience. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that after the break uh, later on in the show. Uh, it was super, super cool. Shout out to Strictly Casual Official uh, for, for the raid. Um, and I want to dig into a little bit of that stuff because we talked about it a couple episodes ago. Um, and it would be nice to kind of um, pull back into that conversation uh, about what happened. You know, what was the energy that was kind of there? You know, how did that stuff kind of go? Um, th- there's a lot of things to kind of dig into o- over there for sure. Um, it was it was really cool. 
um, to have that experience. And I'll, and I'll talk a little bit about that a little later. Um, right now, what I want to dig into, which I think is extremely important, uh, which is super, super interesting to talk about, is Hitman 3. Hitman 3 is a game that I have been very excited about. I have been really hyped about this game for a long time. Uh, and to be able to... Uh, and to be able to, to, to kind of dig through that game, uh, my review will be going up a little bit later in, in, the, in the weekend. Uh, that was something that was was in the works. I'm still working through it. I finished the game, at least the, the, the last chapter uh, in Hitman 3. Uh, and uh, I'm really excited to talk about that in review form. I'll talk a little bit about it during our show tonight. But the cool thing is we had a really special guest come by Bricago earlier this morning. Uh, we had one of the executive producers on the game come by and, and hang out with us for a little bit and talk about the game. So we have an exclusive interview with her. Uh, she is fantastic and, and super dope and, and, and really cool uh, to be able to talk to. Uh, so I'm excited for that conversation for sure. Uh, and excited for everybody who's come through on the raid. So many dope folks in the channel right now hanging out with us uh, who just came through. Massive love to all of you. Uh, thank you so much for coming by. Uh, and yeah, yo, you came in at the perfect time because we definitely have a really cool uh, interview that I'm going to be dropping right about now. Uh, we'll do that. It's a probably it's, let's see, it's around 40 minutes of an interview, uh, so it's going to be most of the show tonight. Um, and then we'll come back, take a short break, and I'll talk a little bit about my time as PogChamp. And I got to play the Maiden uh, Resident Evil demo uh, before the show, so we'll talk a little bit about that as well. So we're going to jump right into the interview. Uh, take a take a minute, check this on out. Uh, I'm sure if you're a Hitman fan, you're going to be even more excited by this uh, because there's some cool conversations in there about level design and about how all that stuff kind of went. So we're going to go into that really quick. We'll see you right after the interview. What's good, Bracago? What the deal be? Everybody here, we have a really fantastic, amazing interview coming up. You know, I have been super excited about Hitman 3. I have been running through it. Of course, my review is coming up probably during the weekend, so you want to make sure you're checking out all of that. But before we get into those bits and we get a chance to talk to everyone about that review, we're going to jump into a fantastic, super, super cool, super, super cool interview with the executive producer on Hitman 3. Forrest Swart Out Large, how are you doing? Thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm I'm okay. I think um, <laughs> yeah. I, I told our I told, <laughs> I told my boss earlier today. I am mostly satisfied. I am physically tired, <laughs> and I feel proud. Like th those are the three. Mostly satisfied, tired, and proud. I mean, well, I mean, proud should. I'm 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 happy that you're proud for many many reasons. We talked a little bit about some of those pre pre show, but the the game itself has gotten so so good. The 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 review scores are, are off the charts. Uh, everyone who has been playing it has been talking about it all over the internet. Uh, I want to personally thank you all because it's been one of my favorite games of the year so far, and I'm happy that you're all getting the love that you all deserve. So congratulations on launch and congratulations on knocking out of the park again. It feels like you're always like hitting that high mark uh, and, and, and doing it in. So uh, thank you all for, for all that hard work and all uh, the wonderful stuff you've been doing. Thank you. I, I will say it, it feels like more recognition this time around. Yeah. We didn't 
work any harder. We didn't really work that much differently. But I I really feel like, you know, usually the, the core fans show up for us. Yeah. And then on the review side, it's kind of a mixed bag. It's mm-hmm. um I think it's up to this point, it's not always been a super well understood IP. Mm-hmm. You know, people often think it's an action game or it's a shooter and then they play it and it's turns out it's uh, yeah not a shooter um and so i just feel so grateful that like this time around i feel like people are really getting it and there's an actual alignment of expectations um so i mean i i always feel proud when we when we put each game out but i really feel like ah okay finally <laughs> people are understanding what this game is supposed to be about <laughs> which is about puzzling and being stealthy either in disguise or in cover so i just feel really grateful i feel like finally (laughs) the stars have aligned we finally feel understood i I love that because it is an interesting game in that respect i think there are a lot of folks who um definitely go into it thinking oh this is going to be you know cover to cover kind of shooter i'm just running around just knocking people out and that kind of stuff and you have to remember I, cause, and especially this is one of the things that I love because and this is the reason why it is so difficult for me to stream this game is because I play it so slow. I play it so slow because I love stealth. I love games where you have to kind of be sneaky and try to figure out ways to kind of, you know, maneuver around uh, and do that work. And it's always like hours upon hours of getting to a level because I'm just like, I don't want to get seen. I don't want people to know I'm here. Um, so I, w- I want to talk a little bit about the evolution of that. I think to a certain extent, like you said, that the the audience is kind of coming around on the, the kind of foundational parts of this game and how all of those kind of connect to each other. Um, how does that, how has that been kind of still trying to figure out ways to convey that to the audience in a way that they just kind of get it? Has, was there anything in a philosophy way that has changed in between those conversations from the previous game to this one uh, to kind of make those things more clear to, to the player? Well, you know, with this outing, we are independently developing it mm. and producing it which means that we are in charge, um, the studio, not we, but the, the studio is in charge of the marketing assets and the messaging, the communications. So I really feel like, you know, this time around, we were really able to shine a light on the pace of the game, you know, and really celebrate the slow pace. You know, we've, we've always, um, except for the announcement trailer for 2016, We've always had these these fast paced, you know, uh, you know, shooting very uh, Michael Bay esque type trailers, which I think is actually very misleading. I think that that supports the whole misunderstanding of the of the IP. But this time around, because we're in control, we can we can you know believe in ourselves and and go with a slower paced marketing materials and also in our communication up to and even now you know we can really just talk about hey it's a puzzle game (laughs) (laughs) we made a stealth game for (laughs) y'all i mean i mean you get that feedback yeah i think i think so too i think that the the beauty of of hitman series and especially this one it feels like there was a not necessarily a doubling down on what was working which of course you know everything was working really well in the previous games but it felt like like you shared a little bit earlier that like the community even the folks who are new to the series have this understanding of how things kind of should work 
um, in those in that respect of like there isn't a, a specific line in which you need to play the game, of course, because you can do it in so many different ways. But the underlying foundation of this is a game that you should be kind of trying to figure out ways to play slowly and, and work your way through it and then see the machinations happen through, you know, through your consecutive playthroughs. I know I personally kind of brute force everything during the first run. Uh, and then to open to open up all the other start uh, scenarios and stuff, uh, and then I kind of go back and it's like, all right, so now I know the pathing here to a certain extent. Well, I know some of the stuff is going to happen here, so let me maneuver in certain in certain ways. Um, have you seen play styles kind of change a, a little bit more as well, kind of from the previous game to this one from from players and at least some of the feedback you've gotten so far? Well, and. Interesting thing is that um, that's actually one of the things that we introduced with this game is a whole new set of uh, play styles that we want to celebrate. Mm. So you know we've we've been known for Silent Assassin suit only as being the one of the main celebrated ways to play because you have to be really good at the game to be able to you know get into tricky situations and contain them. <laughs> um, so we have actually uh, introduced a whole bunch of uh, new play styles that we celebrate at the end of a successfully completed mission. But I'm not going to tell you what we are or what they are because we want players to discover them for themselves. Um, so I think we will be looking very closely at the player analytics, the player metrics to see what, what styles people are unlocking where and when. Um, and which ones tend to be, you know, uh, found later, I guess we'll say. So to answer your question, I don't know, but we are super <laughs> curious about it and we will be, uh, yeah, watching and maybe, maybe we'll share out in a month or so. Uh, yeah. I think I, I'm fine. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, please don't, don't, don't share anything that's going to be something that people really kind of need to in the community kind of want to dig into. I think the beauty of what you all are doing is that it is so layered in the way that you've been able to kind of, you know, not only keep the, the, the Easter eggs really, really smart, but also the way you've kind of, um, bridged out this language of hitman to a certain extent, which I feel that absolutely, absolutely is this like, you know, understanding of, you know, how to, you know, how to disguise yourself in the right places and, you know, having all the, the, the NPCs be super smart in some of the ways that they kind of track you and all that kind of stuff, you know, growing the series has, has been an evolution for a long time over these games. How has the studio just maintained its kind of laser focus on, you know, kind of the core goodness of the game? What's, what's been the thing, the, the secret sauce has kind of kept that as, as, you know, in the forefront of everybody's minds. Well, I think, I mean, so with Hitman 2016, we really talk about that as um, being the, the polished one, the, mm. the rebooting of the agent fantasy. And that's where the building blocks were established of what, what is this iteration of Hitman? Um, you know, we celebrate creativity, experimentation, play. It's about the toolbox. It's about these high fantasy moments. It's about supporting different play styles. Etc. 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 Hitman Two was um, very playful. It was very bright, right? I mean, just and and you think about the marketing material. You know, the hot pink uh -huh. and flamingos and and you know, race cars and and whatnot. And then for this one, um, you know, we 
what we wanted to do, and I think what we did, was we wanted to really go back to the basics, like the the very essential elements. So back to, you know, we we said, you know, play and creativity and the the sort of the over-the-topness of Hitman 2, that was super fun. But we want to just sort of peel it back to the, the bones of this iteration. And we want it to be emotional. So on top of the foundation of, you know, these, these very specific building blocks, we wanted to make sure that it was an emotional experience. And of course, you know, it's, it's dark. <laughs> also, um, totally is dark. How, how much have you played actually up to I've, this I've point? I've finished through the campaign. Through, through, through the... Okay. So we won't spoil anything then. Maybe yeah, when yeah, the, yeah. the camera is off, we'll, we'll talk. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Um, <laughs> It's. I'm happy to hear you talk about the emotional side of the game too, which I think is actually super important. And was the thing that having kind of gone from <clears throat> from two to three, um, you could see the tone start to change in in the way that the story was being told. I know a lot of folks don't necessarily come directly to Hitman for its story, but I think that what you've done this time around with 47 has actually been really really cool to see. You know, him try to try to figure out what his his kind of purpose is it's kind of that's always been a through line through it but it feels like in this particular game he's still trying to figure out like you know is this the thing that i need to be doing with this life kind of conversation which from a hitman's perspective one is super interesting to just think about it but then also kind of seeing how you're all weaving that into the conversation um is also super cool what were the conversations around kind of again adding more of that emotion to you know to 47 and and the character of of him uh, in this particular game. Um, so we had a we had an interesting parallel process, I guess, if you will, um, complementary, but where we developed the the overarching story mm -hmm. of, of Hitman Three, and um, at the same time, Matthias, um, our game director. Uh, we work together on like really sort of anchoring what each mission should be and feel like for the players emotionally. So we did this, I would say, in parallel with the, with the story development. Mm. And then what we did with the team, because the team is freaking amazing and skillful and so creative and just um, experts in their own crafts, what we did was when we kicked off each of our um, what we call a, a track team that's a, a mission location uh, an interdisciplinary group of developers um, we kicked off with emotion um, different tonal keywords and really sort of let them go and explore and and return with their hopes and dreams <laughs> within <laughs> the you know the, the framework that we had set or within the the goal posts um, that we had set out. Did that even answer your question? I feel like I just no. like meandered and uh, no, 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 um, no. I'm not was... even sure if I just answered your question. <laughs> no, I, I, I feel like you got. I think like you got there. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like a game like this. You um, you don't expect a character who is literally one of the best assassins on the planet to 
kind of be introspective in any of those ways at all, right? You kind of think of them to just be callous and just like, yeah. you know, a machine and not and not really kind of like go through those emotional um, uh, emotional loops, right? But it, but I feel like what you've all done was, you know, again, laid the foundation throughout the, you know, the, sec- the first and second games into this space where you're like, all right, who is this person? Which felt like the... <clears throat> the kind of crux of one and then two is more of like how do the systems around 47 work and how does he kind of play play through those and then three feels like the the like i got to get the hell out of here <laughs> kind of kind of game <laughs> which is which is great right it's it's not a thing that you see a lot of you know again characters and analogs like this kind of go through ever um, so, so it was refreshing to see that that was the kind of like the, that was the part of the arc that we've gotten to when it comes to this part of the series. Um, I want to take a, a quick pivot. Cause I think again, uh, one of the things we love when we have folks on the show is, you know, again, we, we, we love to, to, to spotlight people who are from all over the gaming industry. Um, and you know, I, you know, the show kind of started from the, like, if I wanted to become a person who got into the gaming industry, how do you do it? And how many ways are there, which we know there are so many, um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your origin story about how you got into the industry and how you kind of became, you know, this EP on this fantastic game. Yeah. Um, Okay, well, uh, I guess I'll, it starts with uh, I'm from the Bay Area in California, yeah. and um, I uh, I'm gonna go back. Uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna yeah. go back now. Yeah. Um, and I was taking a, a medical leave uh, from UC Berkeley, and I needed a job, and I was studying film at the time when I took my medical leave, and I thought, well, if I need to work, then at least I. I might as well work in film or at least try. And so I was fortunate enough to get a job as a production assistant at Tippett Studio, um, which is this amazing animation and visual effects studio. Um, Phil Tippett was the head of the creature shop uh, for George Lucas on Star Wars. And um, Craig Hayes was there doing um, the earliest uh, digital animation at work. So it was really, I really felt like, you know, I was this wide-eyed 19-year-old just in the company of giants and just extremely creative people. And so I, I really learned by, like, running film, getting coffee, just listening, um, working hard. And I, I uh, just worked hard and um, sort of uh, went through the ranks uh, production-wise uh, at Tippett Studio. And then um, just as I became a producer, I actually made the switch to, to games. Mm-hmm. And I was fortunate enough to um, go to get a job as the cinematics producer. So it was easy, right, to come from film to uh, the games that way. Um, and then I, I headed the creative services department at Crystal Dynamics, which is the Tomb Raider studio. Yeah. And I worked on the Tomb Raider franchise for about five years. Um, and so I, I went from, you know, cinematics and, and more the, the film side and marketing side more and more and more towards the game side. Um, so I've, I've worked, um, also I did a, a stint uh, at Glue, so working in, in mobile and publishing and free-to-play space. Um, I, and then after that, um, 
I came to Denmark to work at Playdate, and I worked on the pre-production of Inside. Um, I got to produce the um, Touch version and a few uh, ports of Limbo. Oh. I really love that game. Oh God, that game! Um, is and so I good. so I've been. Uh, yeah, it's so good, right? So it's good. so good. Uh, that that studio, that team is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what brought me over to Denmark, um, and then I uh, worked at Pressplay, which was a small uh, Microsoft first-party studio for about three years, and now I've been at IO for almost five years. Um, so I guess like to answer your question, you know, I, I really started, you know, I guess we're, we're not so hierarchical anymore, but when I started, I started at the bottom and I just, you know, came with energy and, you know, thankfully I had more energy then cause I was younger, 19 and <laughs> I just worked hard and I just brought the curiosity and the questions. And I really tried to, um, always work close with the people that I felt like would be good mentors or that I wanted to learn from. So I think I've been just, you know, it's, it's a combination of um, showing up in the right place at the right time, but working really, really hard and uh, very diligently. So, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. always interesting to hear the pathing of how people kind of get to getting into the gaming industry and, and, and learning, you know, and, and sharing those stories to say like, you know, Again, it doesn't have to be the kind of traditional route that you think is, you know, where your starting place could be if you wind up in the game spot in, in the gaming industry. What was what? What's one of the biggest things you've kind of like taken away from your time in the in the space? Uh, in terms of you know, not only of course learning from so many different pla- different places that you've worked, but you know, the 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 thing that you felt like was maybe your most surprising revelation kind of one of working through through the industry so far? I think so something that I usually sprinkle in when I'm doing like a talk for students or, you know, people considering coming into the industry, something that I always make sure to include is something about um, gathering your team around you. Mm. Because um, I'll, I'll just say as a, as a woman, as a person of color, in the industry as an American, having worked in Denmark, you know, as an expat for the last uh, almost nine years, um, it's it's been really important that I, I gather the people that I need around me. And that has changed from, you know, year or project or job. Um, sometimes I really need my cheerleaders. Sometimes I really need that person who I can just call and trust to like pick me up (laughs) or tell me that like i'm not crazy (laughs) (laughs) um you know because i think i think it's i think it's really hard being in games you know like i don't know what it's like to not be me in games yeah um but i think just the nature of games you know it's it's a tough business space it's innovation it's creativity your work, you put a lot of pressure on yourself. Typically, you're working with a whole bunch of other people who are putting a lot of pressure on themselves. Themselves. It's a constant alignment of expectations. It's like, what if we, what if we fail our fans? What if the first party fails us? I mean, it's this, it's this stream of, um, like, it can be crippling if you, if you let it, you know. Oh yeah. Um, so I think it's just 
really, it is about, for me, like I so much believe in myself and those times when I haven't been able to, it's about like knowing when and who I need to reach out to, mm. to say, I need help or like, I need you. <laughs> <laughs> um, because it's, you know, it's a, it's tough. It's yeah. a, it's a schlog. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of the things that I, that I always tell folks, especially because I'm, <clears throat> because I'm on social media all the time with the work that I do and, you know, here and, and my actual nine to five job is, you know, I, the reason I love having game devs on the show is because we, we want to continue to humanize folks who would never get humanized through, through the space. Folks, folks don't really go through the process of saying, Hey, these folks who are spending so much time on this planet, making these things that will hopefully uh, give you some enjoyment are actual human beings who have actual feelings and dreams and aspirations and stuff. Let's remember that yeah. when we have these conversations in the grand scheme. And I'm happy to hear you talk about finding, you know, finding your circles, right. And, and being able to find people who you can lean on to, to have those conversations. I think that the, you know, I, I don't know how it works at IO, but it feels like the teams there or the studio there cares a lot about that as a process and as a part of the, the ecosystem for, for folks to kind of be successful in that way. So you can make really dope games. Um, so thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I think that that's always an important thing to kind of poke back at it and say, you know, we, we need to remember that as a part of the equation when it goes into those, into that space. Do you feel like, um, do you feel like the the space is kind of moving in a in a in a better direction in terms of kind of pulling people in and 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 at least giving them some spaces to not only you know be successful at what they want to do but also you know the conversation is always around pipelines right it's oh the pipelines are weird and we can't get people here and we can't get people here because of stuff um, but it feels like at least to a certain extent especially abroad there feels like there's a a, a a movement happening where the, the industry is kind of looking at it from that holistic perspective to say like, we care about you as a human being and let's try to figure out ways to, to, to maneuver some of that stuff. Any, any thoughts in that, that you, that you can share? Um, I, I just really hope that we can have more, open and honest conversations and see each other as humans. Um, I do, I do worry about the industry. Um, and I do worry about, you know, um, just looking at like what teams are being funded and, you know, the consolidation of independent studios. And, you know, we just saw a little explosion of, existing IP, you know, being, being picked up and a lot mm -hmm. of money being thrown at that. So I really worry about like the future of, of new IP, mm -hmm. the future of independent teams. I think, you know, if we're talking about um, diversity and inclusion, I think a lot of that important work happens in the margins or, you know, in like, not necessarily AAA spaces, but, you know, independent teams, um, smaller teams. Uh, and I just really hope that teams of different sizes and compositions and different business models and wanting to make uh, different types of games can find funding 
and success so that they can continue and we're not just looking at like more um, fixed models of like, uh, mm. okay, we will just see 10 AAA teams of 400 people making three different IPs and they'll just be churning out <laughs> yeah. games. Like that doesn't feel like the recipe for innovation or new voices or, you know, new, new and, and fresh ways to develop games. So I feel hopeful. I'm not going to get cynical for too long or, you know, like <laughs> I, I might worry for moments, but uh, I'm good at, I'm good at uh, holding on to my hope and, and I will keep being hopeful and I will keep, you know, um, pushing for other voices. And, and as long as I, you know, have the privilege of spending my money on, uh, on supporting these teams and, and buying games where, you know, I'm seeing that, uh, you know, the teams are more diverse or inclusive or where the stories are, are being told, um, then I will do that as a consumer. Um, yeah. And then any chance that I have as a, develop, as a fellow developer, I will always reach out to those people and offer myself as a resource to say, hey, if you need a shoulder, if you need advice, if you just want someone to listen to your woes, I'm here for you (laughs) because, you know, I want you and your team to succeed. And and thank you for sharing that. I think it's um, I love talking to folks who have been in the space for a while uh, because veterans have such a unique perspective and having seen the, the, the arc of gaming you know, continue to go up in this like, like amazing way that I, you know, when I was a small kid, you know, no one, no one was really talking about games in the same ways that we're talking about it now. I, I feel like we live in such fantastic times from a technology standpoint and from a, you know, from a gaming industry standpoint that there are so many things that we're going to see going forward. And I, and I agree with you fully that, you know, a lot of that stuff happens in the spaces that are not in double and triple A, right? It's a lot of that comes from, you know, the random game jam that you didn't expect uh, for things to kind of pop up in um, and to seeing that those spaces definitely are from and usually kind of have us in it uh, is actually super important. So um, thank you for sharing that. I'm going to awkwardly pivot again back to the game. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, But but I'm happy you shared that. I think, again, our our audience and, and I especially, like, I need to hear those stories myself of like hearing people being able to do dope stuff in the space and, and continue to move, move forward. Um, uh, let's see, moving forward. Um, I kind of want to dig back into one of the things that I felt was my first aha moment when I got into Hitman three, which I think was, um, one of the, the opening stage, actually, I want, I want to talk about that really quick. Cause I think, one of the things that I've found within the Hitman series is that the the broader you have all gone in terms of scope and scale for some of these maps has been um, pretty remarkable. Uh, you know, the the Dubai <laughs> Dubai stage. You know, having that initial moment when you're kind of walking up the stairs, and I'm playing it currently on PC, so it's even it's even nuttier just how how gorgeous this thing has gotten what is the conversation that you've all had kind of in the studio about how we want to visually represent this game um, in a way that wants to kind of pull people in um, from that standpoint, it feels like the, the, the glitz and glam that are, that has been put on those, those layers of polish for this game feel like it literally is probably the, the, the best looking game I've seen this year. 
I mean, of course it is January. It is early, but still, uh, <laughs> but still I like, I rolled in and loaded up that level and was like, holy shit, what did they do to make this game look this good? How much of those conversations kind of played into not only development from a next gen perspective, because all the consoles are out and all that part, all those parts were kind of in there, but just like blowing it all out. seems like you've all kind of just like not, not, you know, spared any, any any resources to make this thing look as gorgeous as it had. So I think there there is something about closing the trilogy, making mm. the third, and knowing that we we don't know when we're gonna make you know another Hitman map or what that's even gonna look like in in the future. So there is something about the the all inness, mm. the like this is our chance to you know just add all the bells and whistles um you know usually there is this uh this horrible um sort of dance between uh like environment art and lighting and and tech art and render where we do way too much and then and then the the render programmers towards the end are like what did you do (laughs) how are we gonna ship this (laughs) what were you thinking but we started off this project with some amazing tools from the render department so that we could keep ourselves in check you know like uh, so that the artists and the tech artists were empowered to just sort of go crazy but then every night you know it would it would run run these checks and profile all of the worst performing areas so that was one one thing that we did that um, allowed us to really kind of like blow it up but keep ourselves in check so that the poor render programmers didn't have to you know babysit <laughs> Uh, the rest of the team constantly or be shocked at the end. Um, So I think it's the, you know, it's the number three and uh, we don't know when again and, and let's, let's go crazy. Um, I mean, the, the art direction, it, it really is to support the emotional intent and what we wanted the the players to experience. Um, I guess I would, yeah, I would just say, you know, that, the team is not that big. You know, we have just a few render programmers. We have maybe a dozen environment artists who were, you know, joined. So maybe at, at peak, we had 18 environment artists on the project. We have one lighter on the project. What? One. What? Her name is Stephania, and she is amazing. Stephania? Um, is her name? Yeah. Stephania, yeah. I'm throwing up my fist for you because you are brilliant. <laughs> The lighting in this game is unreasonable how good this stuff is. Shout out to her. That is dope. Yes. Oh, what? One person? Yes. Okay. That's nice. And our our um, art director uh, was a former lighter, was a former principal lighter um, before he became art director. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, yeah, it's just, uh, it's it's just audacity. <laughs> and uh, like a little bit of craziness and like explosive creativity. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I feel like I had a, a third point about that, but they're just, they're really incredible, you know, and they're, it's, I also feel like, you know, we really took advantage of this is the third time, you know, we're not trying yeah. to like define a new wheel. We're really just trying to like do, do what we do even better, even tighter, more focused and, and, and closure. So, I mean, we also knew that because we didn't know how long we would be stepping away for, you know, mm. that we wanted to, you know, like 
give give Hitman the the best sort of in terms of locations, right? Because we're gonna keep you know shipping elusive targets and yeah. and all that good stuff. But in terms of of the maps, you know, it's these are the maps for a while. Yeah. So um, yeah, I just uh, they're they're really crazy. They're the really, team, uh, yeah. I nailed it. I mean, the t- I mean, again, these are some of the best maps in the series. Like every map that I've played so far, because I've run through the, the entire campaign, every map just feels so good. Every map just has this sparkle to it that I, I, I had an expectation going into the game of being like, oh, this is going to look really good. And this is going to feel good in terms of some of the stuff that I'm going to be able to do. But like, every every like nook and cranny of like oh well maybe i should just go over here and try to do this thing none of it feels wasted none of it feels like any of that energy or any of that that kind of like special sauce that goes into a game like this was like in one spot and not in another it it feels like it's super super consistent in the way that that works i also in in giving love to the lighting folks i want to give uh uh some some mad words to the folks who put that one person in every level that i'm not supposed to see or get caught by that i always get caught by because i'm moving too goddamn fast and i was like damn it whoever put this person in this space i'm mad at you because i thought i was good and then this other person who's nosy as fuck just like over there is just like looking at me um but I, again it feels like the gameplay loop is just like you nailed it and it feels like the the environments although they feel so much bigger and they, and they are bigger it just feels so cohesive in the way that the language of each one of them works in in in, in the pathing for all that kind of stuff just feels super super good um yeah, it's it's testament to your team to, to to see that that is what has happened again, um, and to know that the team is not you know not not super huge is also you know pretty fantastic to see that you know you can get that kind of work done with a team that's not that's not super large. Um, a couple last questions for you. Um, VR VR is a is is a part of the game now. Uh, you can you can do that on PSVR, which is super cool. Um, I need to get another PSVR. I don't have mine anymore, so I'm sad. I can't check out the stuff. But I'm excited to hear how the conversation went when you were all like, let's throw VR into Hitman now. Uh, what was that like, uh, having those discussions <laughs> within, within the team? So we had, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, so we had, we had two. <laughs> I mean, talking about crazy. Um, we, had, we had these two designers. So Cecil, our lead game designer, and Eskil, senior game designer. They are just mad for VR. And they have been on a mission for a long time now about how amazing VR is and uh, Hitman and VR. And can you imagine it? And um <laughs> I mean, just uh, I, I wish I could do like uh, impersonate them properly. They're they're both Danes. And uh, but anyway, they they literally were just running around with their explosive infectious energy, just like pretty much lobbying everyone. And then before we know it, um, things are happening. And that's actually how we kicked off the project. Mm, really? Is with VR. Oh, <laughs> In mind. that's yes. nuts. Wow. Yeah. So, um, you know, anyone who says VR is an afterthought or a tag on or a, you know, a play for money, like, no, huh. <laughs> it's just because we're crazy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was, um, you know, all I, yeah, I, I mean, 
I shouldn't say this. I'm going to say this. Um, I was so relieved when the Sony uh, compliance report, when we passed Sony, yeah. that I sobbed. I was so I was so worried <laughs> about VR because it was our first VR game. Yeah, you know, there's so many requirements and and you know comfort and frame rate and yeah. all that stuff. Um, I literally I was on a call and I had to mute myself. I was already the camera was off. I had to mute myself and then I just put my my head in my arms and I sobbed. Uh, <laughs> and then I pulled it back together and then I unmuted and they were like, "Where'd you go for us?" So I was like, "I was sobbing." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, VR is hard. Like people don't know how hard VR is to get right and to get you know motion right and make it so that you're not motion sick and you got to hit a certain amount of frames do that and all those kinds of things per eye all that kind of stuff people just don't know that how hard that 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 dev work is and to know that you kind of started from that place is wild what are you talking about that that's the way you started and that's kind of the way it landed that's nuts and we couldn't even because we had never done it before and we didn't really there was like one Swede that we knew who we called to, you know, ask some questions and a few other people that we reached out to, but we didn't even know enough to properly plan the team, to properly staff the team and huh. say, you know, how many programmers we would need, how many designers we would need, how many sound designers we would need, et cetera, et cetera. So it was, uh, you know, we really started, we kicked off the project. We knew so little, but we just had passion and hope and guts and, and, <laughs> and then we just worked really hard <laughs> yeah. and wherewithal yeah. and, and all the all the amazing adjectives that go along with that part of the deal um we're about I mean, to I think you, you have to ahead. like it yeah it's oh, sorry it's just it's, an, it's yeah. an example of where sometimes when you make games and you're trying to innovate or take risks you need to just allow yourself to engage in magical thinking yeah and trust, you know, it's like, you only know what you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, you need to adjust the plans as you go along, but also just, you know, trust and believe. I love that. I mean, that's, a, I mean, you're taking a risk, right? It's a, it's a huge risk, especially for a franchise where every kind of understands the language again. I'm sure that there are many, many nights when you were just like, this is not working because it's in this VR space or, and then how do we translate that to the kind of normal game? There's I'm sure lots of conversations. That would be my favorite podcast to do is just to sit on the wall of the postmort and be like, well, fuck. How the hell did we do that thing? And that thing worked and this part was okay. And that stuff was, you know, why did we do that? Um, that's my nerdy self. I love post-morts because I think you just learn so much from, you know, what you tried to do and what you tried to knock out stuff that worked, stuff that didn't work. So um, those things are always, always really interesting to me. Um, before we let you go, uh, and I wish that I could just steal you for like another half an hour because um, you're amazing. You're great. Um, is... We all have our kind of favorite assassinations uh, in the games so far. I know there are a couple that I've seen. I don't want you to give any spoilers away, but if there was one that you really, really liked or thought was interesting, or even better, so we don't give a spoiler away, if there was one that got cut from the game that didn't make it, if you can share what was one that didn't make the cut that, that, that got pulled off. If you can share, I don't want to, again, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. We had, 
some more brutal kills. Huh. In Hokkaido. Ooh. 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 <laughs> ooh, I love that stage so much. Ooh, that stage is so good. Okay. Oh, that just made me really excited because oh. I, I mean, I'm, I'm going through again, like I'm, I'm doing my reruns now and, and going through my, my second and third playthroughs of just like each stage. And I'm just like, oh, there was a thing here that I didn't get a chance to do. And I want to see how that worked. Oh, man, it, that person. Oh, that person. Oh, anyway, I'm not going to say anything because I'm just going to mess it all up anyway. um, Really quickly, um, for the folks who are at home who have bought the game there, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, no new maps anytime soon, but elusive targets are going to be uh, kind of rolling out soon and, and, and doing more of those. Any, any specific things that you can share that are kind of on the horizon that folks should be looking forward to? Um, I mean, it'll be, we, we are committed to having a really solid live support. Yeah. Um, so I think every week there'll be something um between you know legacy ets and escalations and new escalations and ets um i'll say that the team is also cooking up some new stuff that uh i can't really talk about yet because we haven't agreed on final designs (laughs) and timelines reasonable but um we're we're cooking up some really good stuff for for the live tale so um i really hope that people will you know join the join the journey soon and uh, be with us on the live journey. Um, Cause it's, I think it's going to be a good year, a good year ahead. Yeah. Well, Forrest, you are amazingly dope. Thank you so much for coming through today. It has been awesome to get a chance to talk to you. I think our audience again is super, super excited for the game. Everybody on my timeline is like, have you played it? Have you seen X? Did you do this? And that energy is always fantastic. I love that the, ener- the energy that this game brings to, to the space. Um, and, and thank you and the rest of your team for, for making such a beautiful and amazing game uh, that we all get a chance to share. So thank you again for, for rocking with us here on Spawn Me uh, today. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. Everybody, we're going to go right back into a break. Uh, we'll be right back after this. Uh, we'll see you in a little bit with some more Spawn Me. Huge shout out to our folks over at Team Liquid for blessing us and supporting the show. Thank you again to Team Liquid for supporting us. Go to tl.gg slash spawn to go check out more of the cool stuff they have over there and get a discount on some of their dope clothes and their dope, super, super cool retro Marvel lineup uh, that they have out in the world right now. I love, I'm rocking the pants right now. You can't really see them because I got the, I got the camera high, uh, but, but, you know, I've seen it. Uh, you've seen me rock it on, on some of the things you've seen before. Um, couple of things before we get up out of here for this week. Uh, again, huge shout out to our friends over at Twitch uh, for making Ka Pak Champ for a day. Uh, it was pretty fantastic to be able to do that work. It was super cool uh, to be rocking as Pog Champ for a day, especially on Martin Luther King uh, Day. That was beyond my wildest dreams of thing uh, that I thought that I was going to be able to do. I, I poked some folks from Twitch to see like, how many times did PogChamp get used on Martin Luther King Day? And I'm hoping that they'll be able to find out, you know, some of that information and, and then share it back with me. Uh, and then I'll be able to tell that to all of you a little bit later at some point, because um, that was super cool. I think, you know, the conversation again, which was pretty, uh, pretty interesting uh, to begin with, was one in which we were talking about, you know, the negativity that surrounded the campaign that they were doing. 
Um, and it's, you know, again, super hard for a lot of folks who, you know, came into the situation and didn't necessarily um, feel like they were necessarily prepared as well um, as they could have been uh, for their front page, uh, actually not front page, their, their, their PogChamp day. Um, I'll be honest, you know, going into it, there were a couple of things that I wanted to do. One, I wanted to do something a little bit fun uh, with the website that we did, uh, iampogchamp.com. Um, and I also wanted to do something kind of, kind of cool on the merch side, uh, with our, we are the, we are the culture shirt, have that out there for, for everybody in Chicago, have some folks out there for, 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 you know, the haters who are going to, you know, come at me and, and try to, you know, ruin my day, you know, having that website up there with some, so, you know, some hate blockers in there and then also giving some stuff for some allies in the space as well, which I of course believe is the most important part. Like the haters are going to hate and we can't really keep them from doing that work. Um, but we can clown on them a little bit too, uh, while we do it. Uh, so I think that, you know, that was a lot of fun to be able to put that up really fast and, and make that work. Um, and it was really the, the response that I got to it was the thing that blew me away. I did not expect so many people to be like, yo, this was, this was really dope. And, uh, we really appreciated the work that you put in uh, doing it. So, you know, thank you to everybody who, who shared a kind word for that. Uh, it took, it took a little bit of time to get it done. Um, and it was, it was a fun, small mini project to do, uh, for that day, uh, for that activation. The most interesting part of all of that was, you know, you go into some of those things knowing that you're going to get a lot of negativity towards you uh, during a day like that, especially being a black person with your face, you know, as the, uh, you know, one of the biggest and most well-known emotes on Twitch on that platform that gets 15 million plus hits a day, uh, viewers a day uh, on it. So that number in and of itself is wild to just know that my face was there for all those people to see. But the, the, the best part of all of it was I literally got no negativity, which is wild to say out loud. It's a beautiful thing. I'm happy it happened. But I have to give that love about how that was handled, not only to the to, to the Chicago residents who always come through with love and all the folks who came through during the time that we were streaming and stuff. But I have to give a huge thank you to Twitch. Twitch did a fantastic job in terms of um, rolling out the, the campaign a little bit differently during this week. And you've seen it happen this week as well, where they're not singularly focused on one person and kind of shouting them out. Um, and you know, tomorrow you'll see a roundup of, of, of all the folks who were PogChamp for this week. Um, that helped to diffuse a lot of the potential negativity um, it does also come with a cost and visibility, which I think is also in there too, which was, um, was also an interesting thing to note as well. I think the trade-off again, if you heard me have those conversations last week about visibility for peace of mind, um, we did get less visibility to the site. I mean, to us, to the show, like I think two, like 3000 people maybe checked out the website in a day, which was really cool. Um, but our numbers didn't jump a bunch in the ways I would have thought they would have on Twitch, uh, because it's, it's more difficult to just be like, well, who is this random emote that is now PogChamp? If you don't get that kind of like interesting, uh, like bat signal out in the world. So the, the repercussions and the, and the balances of those are interesting, uh, to, to note. Um, and I, and I shared some good feedback with them, but in the grand scheme, in terms of keeping people safe, 
uh, for the folks who don't have a bigger platform and especially are worried about getting some of that negativity. I think what they did in that small tweak to what they did was brilliant. I think it was super smart and I think it, it, it saved a lot of extra work for, for, for folks to have to do some of that stuff um, in that way. So I, it was, it was really cool to be able to see that be a thing um, that happened in, in that conversation for sure. Um, the, the last thing I want to dig into uh, before we get up out of here is I got a chance to check out the resident evil demo. Um, that's exclusively on PlayStation five. Uh, the, um, I forgot what you, uh, the maiden demo. Uh, so they had their really dope, um, uh, showcase today, uh, hosted by Brittany Brombrocker, Brittany Brit, yo, you killed it. Fantastic job, Brit, uh, from over at what's good game. She, she knocked out of the park as the host. Um, and we got to learn a bunch of stuff. Uh, one, it's going to be in first person. Two, it's going to have three sisters who are going to be the kind of main baddies. Of course, with my homegirl who I love. I love you, tall vampire lady. You're so cute and thick. Oh, my God, you're so fine. Plus her uh, being in the space. Uh, it's going to be really cool. Like, getting a chance to play that in May. I think it's May 7th is when that game is going to wind up dropping. Um it's going to be nuts how cool this game is going to be. I went and played the demo today. Again, the demo, uh, you can't fight. There's no blocking. There's none of that kind of stuff. You're basically just kind of traversing the space. And again, the folks who are, and, and, and this is a technology thing, you know, uh, RE engine is, is one of the coolest looking engines on the planet. I think besides what you're doing in unreal with its versatility, RE engine it's probably one of the prettiest engines we, we have right now, but we don't get to see a lot of it because it's really just for Capcom games and especially for RE stuff. The If you get a chance to play the demo, look at how gorgeous this game looks. And this is running on the PS5. I don't even want to know what this thing is going to look like on PC when you give all the bells and whistles that you have along with that. One of the technologies that I think is really important to making this thing look as gorgeous as it does is the folks from Quixel Megascans. Look around the environments at the walls, at the, the, the environments, at the you know, bottles, and they had like some trash bags. All this stuff looked so real. It was super cool to see how, how, how real all that stuff looks. Go look up Quixel Megascans. Uh, they got bought out by Epic a couple of years ago. Go look at that technology. It is super dope. Um, and and um, we're, I'm trying to get those folks on the show at some point. If you remember the PS5 demo with the, the woman kind of flying through the, the environment and all that kind of stuff, that was a Quixel demo as well. Like the, the way that the, the, the landscape looked in the rocks and all that kind of stuff. All those things were super cool. Um, so, again, shout out to the folks over at Quixel. Uh, you know, I believe in their technology. This stuff is really fantastic. One of the best on the planet, and I really love what they're doing in the space. Um yeah, I think that's it for this week. You know, there wasn't a lot of gaming news this week. Not a lot of stuff to dig into on that on that end. Uh, but the bomb news of, of, of Resident Evil coming out in May is exactly what I needed to hear. I was already super excited for it. Uh, there's going to be some crossover stuff with that in the division. Uh, so that's going to be pretty cool there. Um, and yeah, like, good stuff is coming. We're finally getting into that part of the cycle now where we're seeing some of those things happen. Uh, for games that we were thinking about coming out uh, fairly soon. And now we're starting to get little drips and drabs of information uh, about that too. Um, so I've been playing, again, really quick, some some Tarkov over Dr. Jones. Shout out to Dr. Jones. 
I'm probably going to dig into some more division of late. Uh, now that I've heard all this conversation about the resident evil stuff and I got back on overwatch, which is super wild after seeing cam camera Hawking kind of play some overwatch. And I was like, man, I miss overwatch. I want to play overwatch. I started playing overwatch again and I missed overwatch. So if you want to get some games in, hit me up on the line, you know, hit me up on Twitter. We'll figure out ways to get some games in for all that kind of stuff. Um, and Dark Tagger says, I wanted a 25-year crossover between Aria, <laughs> Resident Evil and Pokemon. I know it won't happen, but I think it would be cool. They're going all out for the 25th anniversary, so you never know at this point. We don't know what's going to be coming uh, and what else is going to be kind of connected between the two. So, you know, you never know what you're going to wind up getting uh, at this point. So, mad love to you all. We're going to get up out of here for this episode of Spawn on Me. Uh, you've all been brilliant, as usual. Uh, we're going to get up out of here, and we're going to go raid somebody really soon but if you're listening on the podcast version again make sure you hit us up on apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating uh rate us and give us some love there we want to start reading some of those off soon uh go to speakpipe.com slash spawn on me if you want to be a part of one of our upcoming ask caught anything shows we want to have you in the mix there uh we also uh if you are an nba fan uh, we have been doing a new show over in the Fanbyte Media Network uh, called Corner 3, uh, where we talk about something that's happening in the NBA for a week. You know, we last episode, we just talked about uh, James Harden, if you want him on your team. Like, would you really want James Harden on your team? Uh, and that was, the, that was the conversation that we had over there. So that's a new show I'm doing over at Fanbyte uh, called Corner 3, all about basketball. Uh, and we're going to keep doing that and, and expanding on that as well. So we're going to get out of here. Much love to you all in Chicago. Hang out for the post show uh, if you're on Twitch. And we'll be back with you next week. Much love and peace. <laughs>